We live by the word raise. Rise with God. Affirm your family. Invest in your church. Share in a group. Extend yourself out. So what is Raise More? Join us for this two-week sermon series where we look at what happens when a body of believers raises more. thank you that you're the center of this church. Even though it's named Bellwether, we speak Jesus. Speak it here on this property, to this city, and to the world. Thank you for those that have come here today on a cold, rainy day. Those that come for Jesus to be the center of their lives. Those that come that are struggling uh, and questioning. like, what is this deal, Jesus, as the center? Uh, For those who are searching, for those who are just desiring to grow and have said, Jesus, you are the center, but where are you taking me? Where are you leading me? Let us all have this vibrant faith that recognizes you, you know the plan. Uh, our lives are your gig, your deal. And the more we submit, uh, the more it will become clear. I pray it becomes clear today for those that are here. Above all, I pray you become clear. Your power, your might, your glory, uh, life. And it's really... It's really the only life there is. It begins and never ends in you. Thank you, Jesus, for your life. Lead us to it more and more in your name. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, Using a couple verses today and going to start with Genesis 3. So you can turn your Bibles to Genesis 3. And then I'm also going to be in Malachi Three. We don't hit Malachi a lot here at Bellwether, so, you know, get it while it's hot. Malachi 3, 2. Um, but, uh, anyway, Genesis 3, before I get going into God's Word, go ahead and take that off the screen, bro. Take it off. Before I get going into God's Word, I want to say first thank you all for your prayers uh, for our India team uh, that uh, got back uh, yesterday morning, uh, had a, a really... Just a powerful trip uh, that we will be unpacking in weeks and probably months to come. We are uh, we're involved in a ministry over there already, and there are also many other opportunities. But thank you for your prayers. And as I come to you this morning, as I come back, there is so much uh, in my heart, uh, honestly, that, that I am thankful for. I'm thankful for, for just so much. And I just wanted to share like what I, I give thanks for. I give thanks for the opportunity uh, to worship freely. I give thanks that we can baptize believers and not be asked to not post photos on Facebook because it threatens or compromises their lives. Uh, I'm thankful for our church home. I'm thankful that while we're gone, there is a, uh, a Feed the Need yesterday that reaches this local community. I'm thankful uh, for volunteers that will serve a community breakfast here today that uh, grows our community. Uh, I'm thankful that people come out on a cold, wet day uh, to worship. I'm thankful for Operation Christmas Child. I'm thankful for the ministries of His heart. I'm thankful I get back and a bellwether couple is getting married last night. I'm thankful that there's a baptism uh, this morning. I wish there was something else for me to do tonight and I would just keep on going. I, I, I told 
Somebody said, man, please dare me to just stay up 40 hours. I will do it. They didn't because they know I will. But I'm thankful all this is going on. I'm thankful that I can leave for nearly two weeks and just keeps on rocking and keeps on going on, our church family. I'm thankful for the team that we had and the bonding that we shared and uh, the clarity God gave us and will continue uh, to give us. I'm thankful that they are here when they could and probably want to be asleep. I'm thankful for the lives on that team. I'm thankful for Lori Reed, whose birthday we celebrated in the midst of the trip. I'm thankful for Roger and Pam Wirtz, whose anniversary we celebrated on this trip. Y'all give them a hand. Come on now. We can... Birthdays. I'm thankful for... Just thankful for life uh, in Christ. And last, I'm thankful deer season, at least for me, opens next week. And I'm thankful 105.1 is already playing Christmas music. And I'm, I'm loving that. I know you're like, I'm loving it. So, now then, let's get into God's Word, okay? And we're going to go into this. But I have a question for you at first. That question is, who are you? Now, who are you? You're like, it's a trick question. No, who are you? It's like, well, I'm, I'm a name. I'm blank. No, who are you, okay? Who are you? Who are you in your heart? Because if we get honest, and we look at that question, we'll say, well, I am uh, a parent, maybe. I am uh, a spouse. Uh, I'm married to so-and-so. I am uh, my career. Uh, I am this position. Uh, I am this uh, friend to many. What I'm trying to ask you is how, if you've ever thought, how do you define yourself? What is your identity in? Uh, Is it your husband or your wife? Is it your children? Uh, Is it your clan? And in the South, we love our clans. Uh, Is it it your position? Is it your career? Is it, oh, I am, uh, you know, this person who I'm going to college here. Or I went to college here. Or I, I hail, no pun intended, from the flagship university of this state, Okay. Or, really, no pun intended there. Or, you know, I am, or maybe it's something negative. Like, I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. Uh, I'm not in the cool crowd. I'm always uh, on the outside looking in. I don't have a bright future. I didn't get into the college I want to go to. Uh, I got rejected uh, by the girl that I wanted to ask out. How do you define yourself? What is it? And we all do this. And often it's many of those things, from spouse to parent to friend uh, to job. How, how do we define ourselves? And we trick ourselves to saying, that, that's who I am. And we even do it in like our christian circles. Well, I am a strong Christian. I go to India. And I also went to Honduras. I'll go elsewhere. I'm radical for Christ. And it's still all about us instead of being, as we just saying. Jesus is a sinner, and we find our identity in him. This goes all the way back to Genesis 3, and this is, I believe, this, this is the fundamental human problem that we call sin. We find our identity, our ID, in something else or somebody else. So Genesis 3, 4 through 7. We always just think, you know, this is a Sunday school story, which it is, but it's really our story. Genesis 3, I'm going to read verse 4 through 7. You're familiar with it. Snake, Adam, Eve. Here we go. It says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. After she'd been asked to eat of the fruit of the tree, God said, Don't eat. 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And stop right there. Here's why I read this. That question, who are you? is fundamental, and we all ask it of ourselves. And we always try to define ourselves by that fruit. And I want to ask you, what is the fruit that the devil is offering you? Often we think of that as like, well, forbidden fruit, sin. And I'm not just talking sex, but often that is the case. Or maybe it's gambling, or maybe it's just a bad relationship, uh, or maybe it's greed and pursuit of money. Maybe it's a new house. Maybe it's an addition. Maybe it's desperately trying to get into certain social circles. What is the fruit that the devil says, if you have this, your eyes will be open and you will have life? Because we're all being asked all the time. And you need to be aware of that. Because that and the, or those things will not define you. They will only lead you, as it did to Adam and Eve, to shame. If you take this passage, a couple things happen after they eat or partake of the forbidden fruit. One, it says their eyes were open. Now, what's interesting is, go a little deep here in the scripture. This is Hebrew, not Greek. The Hebrew of open, there, there are two forms of that word. One is like open and enlighten positively, okay? And you think about that, their eyes are open like, oh, I get clarity. The other, though, is open and negatively, like, oh, we've, this is not good. Like, we're, we're not in a good place here. And that's the form of this word open. Their eyes are opened as in like, we, we've made a mistake. And they feel shame. And it says that they clothe themselves. They're even ashamed of their God-created body. You may ever feel shame. You may feel shame today. Shame is a, a constant human problem uh, that we feel. Christ saves us from, but we've got to come to church over and over again because we, we eat of the forbidden fruit over and over again, and we feel shame. And so my question, who are you, is to say, you know, what is it, what is it that you're looking at? And, and the devil says, if you just have this, if you just have this, it's going to be good. You're going to be better. You're going to be wiser. You're going to be freer. What is it? Second question I want to ask, and this is for us as a church, and I'm so thankful if y'all are visiting, but this is for those who, like, you know, are really thinking, praying about calling themselves bellwethers, I would say, this is my church home. Who are we? Who are we uh, as a church? Who, who are we? Who are we? How, how would you define uh, Bellwether? Now, there are really two ways uh, in our world, on our turf here, that, that churches are defined. Two ways. How many you got and or who you got? Okay? 
I'm not hearing amens, but I know some people would say amen to that. I mean, church are defined. How many you got and who you got? I mean, you got important people. You got players in there. And that is how much of church, being real, uh, is defined. But now it breaks down into other things. Like, well, we're the church uh, with, we do worship this way. Or, or we're the, uh, we're the uh, teaching church or Bible teaching church. Or we're, we're the mission church uh, that will do missions here and elsewhere. Or, or we're the church, and I've got this great small group uh, that really kind of is my church, even though I wouldn't say that. Or, or we're the church where it's, you know, it's, it's like popular to go to this church. And so we're kind of going, but we're just kind of on the outskirts. Think about how do you define our church, this church, us? How would you define it? And all of us are. All of us are in some way, form, or fashion. And when we do that, hear me on this. With, with the church that we want or the church that we think we're part of, uh, we cheat God of what he can do in our church home. So this is where we go to Malachi, Malachi 3. Malachi 3, and I'm going to read verse 6 through 10. Some of y'all probably have heard this passage before, even though it's in Malachi. But let me start with verse 6 here. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God, uh, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? Uh, In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Let's stop there. Now, this is often the, uh, uh, the, the giving scripture, the, the money scripture or passage. Or it's often used that. It can be used to, you know, hey, ask you to give more, uh, you know, stewardship Sundays, all of that. And I've used it for that same reason. And it is that. Because it talks about tithe, which is 10%. But it is, in fact, so much more. See, God is saying to his people, and we're his people as his church. He says, when you are, you know, when it's really kind of like your deal, and, and this church is like, is, is yours, uh, you're, you're robbing me, God, of what I can do. So when you start defining your church as, well, I really like it because, uh, you know, it's the mission or the worship or the teaching uh, or the people and it's not like all to Jesus, as we're saying about it, it's Jesus the center. We rob God of what he can do. Uh, I got really convicted uh, on this trip, I mean, many ways. But one time I was having a conversation with a pastor uh, in India, in Calcutta. And we were driving to this service. We had a long drive. And anyway, all this great stuff happens. But we're talking to him. And he started this church. And it's about 10 years old. And he said, but you know, the Lord laid on my heart... Uh, that uh, to let everything I do in ministry go. He said, let everything go. Let everything go. Now, let me say this. The Lord speaks to me. I mean, like, I'll pray. But there are only a handful of moments. Like, there's a, a direct instant, like, man, I'm slamming this down on your head, JHT, like, right now. And, and it hit me at that point. He's like, let it go. Let it go. 
Let, let Bellwether go. Not that I'm, like, going anywhere. But, I mean, I planted this church. And my wife and I, we have, like, a lot of ownership here. But, like, he planted his church, you know, in India. And he said, the Lord, he said, the Lord laid on our heart. He said, everything that we do, let it go. Just let it go. And so, when our church starts becoming our church, then we start robbing God because it's Jesus' church. And we start defining it by how you know, we want it to be instead of just serving Jesus and letting it go. I mean, there's more power and there's more freedom. And I believe God says, then, then I will open the windows and pour out these blessings. He does say, bring the full tithe. And he says, contributions. So what we are called to do as people, and if this is home, this is where, and I do believe God calls people to particular local churches. And so if we're like, well, God, you've called me here, then we give. We give sacrificially. We give sacrificially of what God's given us, our resources, also our contributions, that word. He, did, he doesn't just leave his money. He's like, we serve. We serve community breakfast. We serve in local missions for the city. We serve in the world. And just let it go. Let it go. And God will do the rest. Now then, two questions. Who are you? Who are we? But I want to close. We got more than five minutes, just so you know. But I want to close with two statements. Two statements, okay? Who are you is a question. I want to share who you are. Who you are, okay? Everybody, but also individually. Who you are. And if you turn to Ephesians 2.10, this is uh, one verse. Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2 verse, and y'all, y'all like, and I know many of you, and, and I counsel many of you, and I, I'd love to counsel more of you, but like, you need to hear this, and this needs to be seared into your heart, and minds, and souls. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Please leave that verse up on the screen. Keep it in your Bibles. Who you are is his workmanship. And often, we try to be somebody else. Uh, Much of our identity is based on, you know, call it whatever you want, but like sexuality. Well, if I look this way, uh, then I'm good. And and that's me. So our looks define us. Or maybe our, our smarts uh, define us. And it's like, well, you know, I'm smart enough and I can achieve this, that, or whatever it is that is that, again, forbidden fruit. The devil says, if you just take this, you'll be wiser. Or maybe it's our Rolodexes. And it's like, you know, look at, look at my capacity and, uh, you know, and being a power player or whatever that is. We define ourselves by those things. It's not that way in Jesus. It's not that way as a Christian. And you need to hear this. And you need to hear it at church. And the amazing thing uh, that fires me up whenever I go around is that people will, will work to get to a church. Uh, they will literally walk five, six hours to hear the gospel message. But we're always shot up so much with it, you know, entire lives. Like, man, I got it, man. I got the flu shot. You know, I, I'm good. I'm covered. Okay? And we're not. Because we're based on identity on sex, on looks, on power, on smarts, on money, on the house, on the zip code, all that stuff. You need to hear the gospel is different. It is different. It is different. It is radical and all those things. But that we are his workmanship. 
I like to say this. I don't know if I heard it or what. There are no accidents in Christianity. There are no accidents in Christianity. Uh, So you grew up without a parent. Maybe it was mom. There are no accidents in Christianity. Uh, So you've struggled with addiction and you're struggling with There are no accidents in Christianity. Uh, So you have very low self-esteem right now. There are no accidents in Christianity. Uh, So you're born in somewhere that you really don't want to live. There are no accidents in Christianity. Uh, So you don't have uh, some of the gifts that you wish you had. There are no accidents in Christianity. There are no accidents in Christianity. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. But you also need to hear that even in the midst of addictions, even in the midst of if life throws so much at you, you have a poor self-esteem, even in the midst of your, your background and who your family is, those things do not define you. What defines you is Jesus and that he created you, that you are his workmanship. We got to go to a school uh, in Hyderabad, India, uh, that our church has been supporting. And, I, you know, we'd never seen it, so this was our first opportunity to see it. Uh, and there were these children there, uh, about 80, maybe 90. And, you know, to see them... Children who did not have a school, uh, who walked to school uh, from slums. I mean, they have some semblance of a home, but if we saw, we probably wouldn't even call it home. But so they walk and they go. Uh, There are uh, special needs children there too, a couple of them. Uh, There was one who had a uh, severe, severe physical deal. And they would quote these Bible verses and, you know, this is where it kind of rubber hits the road for you in your faith. This, this little girl walked up to me, and her spine is really messed up. And I, and I saw her toes, and her toes, because they were barefooted. And the toes were just like everywhere. Toes were all, and she walked up, like face to face, like right here. And she shared this Bible verse. And so for me, that's like where the rubber hits the road. It's like, okay, so there are no accidents in Christianity. I believe there are no accidents in Christianity. And yes, it's a very broken world. Let's go back to Genesis 3. Uh, but God uh, used that moment in my life, used that day in our team's life. Uh, we'll use that young girl. We'll use that school in ways that we can't fathom. And we have to trust in his sovereignty. We have to trust in his, his power. Just trust that there are no accidents in Christianity, but you are created in God's image, and you're beautiful in his sight. You're beautiful in his sight. And he has this great life for you. It may not be our plan, but it's his gig. It's his gig. And we have to trust in him and take steps. And it's not always revealed, you know, at one time. But when he is the center, then we go back to Ephesians 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. What? For good works that God has prepared beforehand. So there is a purpose for your life. There are things for you to do. To do. To do. As a Christian, this is as it gets. I was telling uh, some of our folks on our team this and my wife talking about it. You know, as a Christian, we should really long for heaven. We're like, you know, you know, I can't wait just to be in heaven. And then we'll be with God. That's what Paul says. Now, it's hard for us to get there. Like, it'd be better if I was in heaven. But until then, there's work to do. Until then, there's work to do. Until then, need to use every fiber and gift that God's given to 
Christianize the world until my time is done, and that's it. Now, now that's my commitment, and I know that's others' commitment, and that needs to be the commitment of our church. Like, hey, there's work to do, and time is short. Time is short. So till then, all these things that we put our identity in and all these things see that we're his workmanship. There are no accidents in the time we were born in. There are no accidents in the place the people were born with. And there's work to do, and then we go home. And it's joy, and there's joy in the works that he's prepared, and there's joy in that you know there are not any accidents in how you were created, in where you live, in what you do, and he's got this deal that will, that are works for your future. You can trust in that. You need to hear this stuff. I need to hear this stuff. I really just preach to myself, and y'all kind of sit in. But you need to hear it. You need to hear it. Last thing. That's who you are. We need to hear this. Who we are. Who we are. Flip over just a couple pages. Galatians 2. Galatians 2. And I'm going to read this verse, uh, a couple verses, 7 through 10. And you're going to read this like, man, this is kind of random. What does this mean, who we are? Well, just track with me. Galatians 2, 7 through 10. Paul writes, On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas, that's Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Who we are. We are a church. We are a church. We happen to be named Bellwether. I'm very proud. I know pride's in it. Proud that we're named Bellwether. I'm proud that people have come to this church like, wow, that's an interesting name. I think I'll come to that church. I'm proud that Bellwether, the name Bellwether, is said in a church uh, in rural India and in the city of India and in Dubai and in Honduras. You know, I'm proud of that. But we're not Bellwether. We're a church, and it's the same church that you find in this church in Galatia. Like, well, what does that mean? It's church. It's just people. Yeah, it's people, plural, that were right here. And look what they're doing. It says, I, Paul was given the right hand of fellowship. You're like, this is Paul. What does this mean for me? Here's what it means. Paul killed Christians. Uh, you got any sin in your life? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it will equate uh, to killing people. Uh, now, you, you ever tempted to kill someone? You're like, man, I'm not tempted on that. Just wait. Holidays are coming. Just wait, okay? You'll get there. However, Paul killed Christians. And they gave him the right hand of fellowship. What, what is the brokenness in your life where you're like, man, they would not give me the right hand of fellowship? Well, then it goes even further. Uh, James, Peter, uh, who denied Jesus. Uh, Peter, who was weak in the moment where Jesus needed him to be strongest, was a pillar. Uh, John, who was known as son of thunder. Uh, many scholars think John had a severe anger problem. He asked Jesus, they went through Samaria, he's like, hey, can we rain down thunder and fire on these people? Uh, not like leader material here, okay? And they're the church. James, Peter, we just did the series on James. James, Peter, John gave Paul, again, who killed Christians, the right hand of fellowship. But it wasn't just all about the fellowship. I mean, it's good and community and love, but there was something to do. There's work to be done. 
It says, we go to the uncircumcised, and you're like, well, you kind of getting inside. I, I know that, that, that weirds me out too, but uncircumcised and circumcised. And what that really means is the circumcised are like the religious folks. And if you, and I love the parable of the, um, the prodigal son. It'd be like older brother. And the uncircumcised were the non-religious folks. So you got the folks who like to look good and wear their faith on their sleeve, and you got the hedonists. And, and they say, we've got to go to both. We've got to go to both as a church. And then he says also, oh, we've got to remember the poor, or the widow and the orphan. Who we are? We're a church. We're that church. We're, we strive by the grace of God to be that church. Uh, I pray uh, for scumbags, uh, hedonists, uh, past hellions, um, to be here. And I want to give them the right hand of fellowship. And I also pray for, Linda always reminds me, you got to reach out to the older brother too. For, things, for those who are like, man, I, I taught, you know, like, you know, two dozen Sunday school classes. And they're melted by the grace of God because they've been resting in their works and their righteousness all along. And I want them both to be here and to be a church. And continue to go for the religious folks and the hedonists and serve the poor. That's who we are. We have to be named Bellwether. But that's who we are. So, so as we close today, I mean, keep asking yourself, you know, what is that that the devil saying? If you get this, you're good. Let me remind you, you're God's workmanship, created for good works. And how would you define this church? Why aren't you saying, hey, we're a church. We're to reach everybody, offer the right hand of fellowship, serve the poor, and be a light to one another, to the city, to the world. And so I want to close today uh, by doing something different. I want us to pray. We always pray. But I want to pray for our church, first off. You know, our, our theme verse is John 10, 16. There are others. Everybody's another. Our mission, raising leaders who raise families, who raise the kingdom. Uh, we're living that out. Uh, we have an idea on how to do that is raise. Uh, I talk about raise more. Uh, you'll hear me talk about that again. We want to raise a million dollars. We want to do that where... Half of that goes here on this property, $500,000, and we want to send $500,000 out into missions in the world. God also convicted me on this trip. It's like, I want Bella to be a 50-50 church. You're like, what's a 50-50 church? That 50% of our budget always goes out, 50% is here. You're like, whoa, good luck. I know what you're saying, but it may take 10 years, but it's the church. And so I want to ask you to pray about, like, how do you serve this church with the resources God has given you. For those who call this home, how do you also serve by your contributions? As Malachi said, so it's not just a money thing. How do you serve? So pray for our church. I want you to also pray for healing here because uh, there are relationships here that need to be healed. I mean, like real healing. I mean, we have real conflict here. But if you go back to, we're a right hand of fellowship. We're a church. We're a church. We're something not of this world, but we're in it. God can bring healing. I pray that Jesus would always be the center here, and it would not be like our deal, but it would be Jesus' deal. And I want you to pray for this church. Also, I want you to pray for churches in this city. Some of you here may have come from another church, you know, burned out, you know, all that. I mean, I, look, trust me, I, I know that was kind of my deal. I, I could tell you about bad church experiences. But you pray for that church. Or pray for another church. Or if there's another pastor, you know, 
pray for him. Pray for churches in this city. You know, there there are few moments in history where there have been literal awakenings, awakenings, an awakening of God in his power by the Holy Spirit. Pray for an awakening in Jackson. Pray that churches are not territorial. Pray that churches aren't defined by their names, but as the church. Pray for the church. And then last, pray for churches in the world. We went to a church where we were asked, do not post pictures of people baptized. Pray for that church. We went to a church in the city of Calcutta where we worshiped and there was great community. We went to a church in Dubai where they're like, man, it's great that we've got like expatriates and Americans here, but man, it is like tough soil reaching Muslims. Uh, Yeah, tough soil. But they're trying. And they're trying to bring the kingdom through his grace and the power of Jesus here on earth. So pray for the global church. So we're going to close. Pray for this church. Pray for your relationship in the church. Pray that healing happens in this church. Pray for the churches in our city. That awakening truly happens. Pray for the church in the world. And then we'll take communion as the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this church. All that you've done in it, what you have to do. Uh, Let us rest in your power, uh, in your might, in your presence, in your spirit. Uh, I do pray specifically as these brothers and sisters are praying that first some would realize uh, what the devil is throwing at them to say, if you have this, you're going to be special. And they'd realize that it's a lie, it's deception, and they already have just the, the gift of Jesus right here for the taking and that there are no accidents in Christianity and that they're here for a reason and there's great things for their life and then there's an even greater time and life awaiting all of us in heaven. I pray that individuals here uh, would realize this. I pray where healing needs to happen here, it would happen in just profound, remarkable ways that right hands of fellowship would be offered. And you say, how did they get, how did that happen in Jesus? Pray for the churches of the city, that they would not be territorial, that there would be awakening here. And pray for churches around the world who just do work that we can't fathom. Let us be united as one church. And just thank you for this church um, that we happen to call Bellwether, but it's really, it's, it's just your church. In your name we pray, amen.